Whenever anyone asks me, what did you want to be when you were little? I am stumped because I wanted to be everything. It was 1984. We lived in the suburbs of Los Angeles and we were hosting the Summer Olympics. My mom was super strict about how much TV we could watch and we were allowed to watch one 30 minute show a day. But sports did not count towards the 30 minutes. So she didn't think we'd be very interested in the Summer Olympics. And then I saw my first ever Olympic gymnastics. And there before me was Mary Lou Retton. I wanted to be Mary Lou Retton. It was my destiny to be a gymnast like Mary Lou Retton. My sister Kate and I, we went outside and we began to do our own gymnastics, cartwheels and handstands. And then we got a little bit riskier. We brought out cushions from the couches and we did backbends and walkovers and handsprings. And I believed I was going to be the next Mary Lou Retton. That same year, a Hollywood actor named Ronald Reagan was running to be reelected for his second term as president. He ran against the former vice president of Jimmy Carter, Walter Mondale. I don't remember much about this election. I was nine years old. But what I do remember discovering is that Walter Mondale, for the first time for a large party, had chosen a woman as his vice president candidate, Geraldine Ferraro. I remember having conversations with adults and most likely my mom that I had never imagined that a girl could be vice president. And as the imagination of some nine-year-old girls go, I began to imagine that I could be vice president. And maybe even one day, I could be president of the United States. I actually told people this. I told people that I was going to be the first woman president. I thought this was my calling. And then my mom told me I couldn't do that. Not because she didn't think I didn't have the skill level or because of my age or because I was a girl. She told me that one of the qualifications to be president of the United States is that you have to be born on American soil. And I was born in Guadalajara, Mexico. What did you feel you wanted to be when you were little? What did you think your calling in life was? I definitely did not ever think that becoming a minister was the calling in my life. What if I told you that every single follower of Jesus has been called to the ministry? For today, I want us to consider what our calling is as disciples of Christ. To help us with that, we're gonna continue reading from the book of Ephesians. Let's pray first. Gracious and loving God, thank you for getting us through this week. However we come to worship in this moment, we pray that our minds would quiet, our bodies would still, and we would hear your word for us this day. In Christ's name, amen. I want to ask you to join with me 
in reading this scripture as it is our memory verse for the month of November. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I think back on those two callings that I had as a young child to be a gymnast and to be president, I realized that I wanted purpose in my life. I wanted direction and I wanted to know what did I need to do to get moving in that right direction. And then let's just be honest, like all little kids, I wanted to be famous like the people I saw on TV. As followers of Jesus, we have been given a calling. This radical calling, it cannot be separated from any person who claims to be a Christian. I mean, every single one of us, not just the ones who have the title of minister or pastor, elder or deacon. The word calling, especially as it is used in the New Testament, it doesn't mean one's career or vocation or what you are paid to do. Calling means our God-given purpose in life. Calling is God-planted. Calling is God-inspired. It is God-sustained. Calling is not associated with certain letters that come after your last name or by reaching a certain age. Oswald Chambers, author of My Utmost for His Highest, he said the call of God is not just for a select few, but for everyone. Whether I hear God's call or not depends on the conditions of my ears. And exactly what I hear depends upon my spiritual attitude. Friends, the call of God is for all people. And that means that there is something that all people have in common. Something that has the potential to unite us. All the followers of Jesus are called to the ministry. All of us. The ministry of just living out our faith every day in every space and place. I firmly believe that the current situation that we are in in our country, you know, the one you saw this past week where the visual is this map of the United States and there's lots of red and lots of blue. It appears as if it is just divided. It screams division. There is no better time, friends, than now to live into our calling of living out our faith in Jesus. Our country is divided over ideological differences. I've heard about it in your friendships, in your families, in your communities. We are divided because we have difference. But listen to this. Difference does not mean we have to be divided. If we can see that that which is 
different from one another actually can unify us because we all have this same common radical call. In our text today, we are told to do some things in order to live out our calling in a worthy way. And the Greek word that's used there for worthy means in a way that gives it substance, in a way that gives it weight. When we do these things that the letter says, we give substance to our faith. Bear with one another in love. Bear with one another. I was so shocked when I got into the text on this one. I had always assumed bear with meant to kind of dismiss or ignore or tune out or that I needed to get over myself, you know, grin and bear it. But this word is used by Jesus in the gospels. A man has a son that has seizures and the man brings this son to the disciples to heal this boy and they cannot do it. And so they come before Jesus, the desperate man, the confused disciples, and he begs him and he says, my son, he has these seizures and he falls to the ground. And Jesus looks at them and he says this, you unbelieving generation, how long should I stay with you and bear you? It's the same word used there. When Jesus uses this word, he is disappointed. Jesus notices there are differences between him and the disciples. And in that moment, Jesus models for us what to do when we realize we are in the midst of difference. He stands right where he is. He faces the situation and he bears love to it. He heals that boy. The difference did not divide them. The radical call of love kept them united. Can you even imagine what would happen if the followers of Christ faced situations head on and bore love to them? A radical calling, friends. You see, I think that's part of the reason Paul and his followers wrote so much in their letters about unity. They knew that the people in these early churches were struggling with getting along with each other. They knew firsthand that community, it's just tough work. The statement about bearing with one another is about people in these early churches legitimately being upset with one another, disappointing each other, having expectations fail to be met. What Paul is trying to help the Ephesians and us see is that being in community means we will be with people that are different than us. But being in healthy community, difference is appreciated and even encouraged. Being in healthy community means you will not agree on all things. And who wants to be part of a community where everybody shared everything in the same views? But those differences do not have to divide us. Our radical calling keeps our community unified in following the example of Christ. Because no matter what our ideological views are, all of us are called to love, to bear with one another in love. One of our church members, Joan Buzzard, was our guest on, our, on Talkback, which is our podcast here at WHPC. 
And she told the story about a neighbor of hers who has become a very, very close friend. And early on in their relationship, they both realized that they had very different political views. They were on opposite ends of the aisle. As this year approached, Joan got a little bit nervous that these differences might cause division. Do you know what her neighbor said to her? She said, I love you more than these differences. I love you more than these differences. Our common calling is to bear with one another in love. Look back at the text with me because there is more that happens when we live into this calling. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Friends, when we bear with one another in love, this is the work of maintaining, maintaining unity. When we are humble, gentle, patient, we are bearing with one another in love and we are making efforts at unity. When we are humble, gentle, and patient, we are living into this radical call to bear love to others that actually can bind us to each other. Our level of unity as followers of Jesus of Christ is not defined by election results. The colors on a map are not the measure. We are different. Difference does not have to be division. In healthy Christian community, difference of opinion is okay and it's accepted. We have something that keeps us united, friends. We all have the same radical call to bear love to the world. I love you more than all of these differences. May it be so in my life and in yours. Amen.